What we'd like to uh, discuss is what Pitsalo did. I mean, why did you need Pitsalo? Everybody knows that if you're the, uh, the Kablan, you can hire subcontractors to do the work that has to be done. And if that's what Moshe Rabbeinu was instructed to do, to hire people like Pitsalo and Oliab, who are able, that talents that are connected to building or able to build a Mishkan, then it's not so easy to understand why Pitsalo gets such a uh, high-profile introduction in the Torah. I mean, Pitsalo turns out to be the greatest of men, you know, like something so special that it's hard to imagine. So let's look at the Pesukim. The first section, the first section on the sheet is uh, Pitsalo being introduced to us in the parasha of Kitsitsa, last week's parasha. You know, last week's parasha is famous for being the parasha of the uh, golden calf, but it also has a lot of other things in it. It's a very long parasha if you, uh, if you are in shul and uh, manage to stay awake. But you know, it's a pretty long, it's a pretty long parasha. One of the things in the parasha of Kitsitsa which you remember comes in between Truma and Tzadzadeh, which are the parashiyot about the building of the Mishkan, and Vayakel Pekudeh, this week is Vayakel, which are also parashiyot about building the Mishkan. In fact, they're, um, they're mirror images of each other. There's everything in Vayakel Pekudeh is pretty much, we've been introduced to it already in Truma and Tzadzadeh. So much so, that everybody knows that Rashi hardly comments on the parashiyot of Vayakel at Pekude, because he's made all his comments already in Shuma and Tetzaveh. So if you want to learn the parasha of Vayakel, you want to go through it pasuk by pasuk, what you have to do is then look at Shuma over again and see what Rashi has to say about the, about the same sukim that appear in Vayakel and Pekudeh. So, Betzalel also is introduced to us twice. Once in the parasha of Kitisa, and then again in the parasha of Vayakel. But in the parasha of Kitisa, uh, uh, Rashi makes certain comments which he doesn't repeat again, so we have to look at Kitisa. That's why we're sort of going backwards. So if you if you follow with me, by the Be Hashem of Moshe right? Hashem turns to Moshe Rabbeinu and says, "You're a karate b'shem b'tzalel ben Rivichul matei hudas." Of course, this is a pasuk which is so well known that we tend to ignore the difficulties, and the difficulties are simple. What do you mean, re'e? Re'e what? What is it that Moshe Rabbeinu is supposed to see? I mean, we know that that's what the word means. Re'e, it's a common word. It's a well-known word. It's a word that's used throughout the ages where everybody who spoke or write or wrote Hebrew. Re'e, re'e what? Re'e. And then what is this business about karate b'shem? What could that possibly mean? Shame? Karate b'shem? I called him by name. I mean, well, of course... God called him by name. But he could have just said, Karati Pitsaleh uh, Ben Uri Ben Kulamate Yudav. That's his name. 
Why do you have to say karati b'shem? What, what was it that, that God said to Moshe Rabbeinu? He didn't say to Moshe Rabbeinu, oh, are you looking for, a, for an artisan? You're looking for somebody who can work with cloth or gold or silver? I, guess I just got the guy for you, Pizzala. You probably never met him because you're not in that business. I mean, but what is karati b'shem? Then we go on. We go on. Now this sounds like uh, like Moshe Rabbeinu himself. Like you know, it's like God says to Moshe Rabbeinu, "You see that guy over there, Betzala? He's just like you. He's got all the qualities that you have. He doesn't mention anything yet about uh, being an artisan or being able to make things." He says again, he says, I mean, I don't know what that means, but it sounds good, doesn't it? The Spirit of God, that's good. If God says, I will fill him with the Spirit of God, but you can't find fault with that. Chokhmah, with wisdom, tuna, understanding, dat, knowledge. I mean, I don't know exactly what any of those words mean, but they all we can relate to them approximately. That's how it is with words, and of course, the, the, uh, what we call parshanut, whether it's parshanut of Chazal or parshanut of the Middle Ages, I mean, we'll try to be more specific. What kind of chokhmah? What kind of tzunah? I mean, that's called commentary. And you know what the word means, but you can know it more precisely. You can know it more Exactly. And that's what the Parashimit is. You look at the Rashi. Rashi says, Chochmah, Masha Adam Shomea Me'acherim. What he hears from others. Bilamei. And he learns from that. Somebody's a Chacham. It's somebody who can be, it says in Pirkei Avot, right? Ezul Chacham, Alomeg Mikol Adam. Somebody who learns from everybody. That's a Chacham. That's what Rashi says. Now what about Tavuna? Okay, he sort of like can extrapolate new understandings from old understandings. Uh, okay, that Rucha Kodesh. So there you have another mystery. Like that, I don't know what that is, uh, and Rucha Kodesh. I'd like to know what Rashi thought Ruach HaKodesh was. Right. I mean, it's associated often with the Buah, with prophecy, but it doesn't say in the Torah that the Tzalel was a prophet. Uh, I don't know what he was. I mean, he was obviously an important person. Now, it says, Rachashem Machshavot, Arigat, Arigat, Ba'aseh Hoshev, right, you know. Masechosh is like they have these uh, computerized weaving machines. You know, you know these people who who uh, make cloth wool, like the place in the world that were famous for rugs, making rugs. They put in very intricate designs in them, in those in those rugs by hand. So you had to be very clever. Remember which which thread went here, which thread went there. Was like a whole. It was a lifetime enterprise. Now they have computerized machines that do the same thing. 
And all you have to do is type in the pattern, the name of the pattern that you want, and you get the rug. So the rugs cost less money. <coughs> Which I guess is good. Anyway, let's go back. Back to Pasuk. Gimel. Um, He's able to deal with gold and silver and, and copper. Charishot Evan the Malot. So it goes through all these these great talents that he has. Then you look at Pasuk Vav. Rani, Rei Natati Itoet Aliav Benachisamach LeMatei Dan. And I and and not only that, Kadosh Baruch Hu appoints B'Tzalel, but he also appointed an assistant to B'Tzalel. And B'Tzalel is the assistant who's named Aliav. A name that I'm partial to because it's two streets away from the streets that I live on. And my garage is there. You know, like if you have a car, your garage becomes kind of a semi-sacred place. You always have a lot of feel that you're getting a good deal in the garage, you know. But you never do. So that's a... That's a Chobaliyav. So, so what is this? What is this? Now, now, why does God have to appoint an assistant to the assistant? After all, uh, Batala was assistant to Moshe Rabbeinu. Why does HaKadosh Baruch have to appoint Aliyah to be assistant? Now, look at Rashi. Where is this Rashi? Where is this Rashi? What? No, no, I don't need that Rashi. Oh, okay. We'll look at the second, the second one. The second, uh, um, this comes from the parsha by Yaakov, our parsha, the second group of Sukkim. So, so again, by Yom and Moshe, B'nai Yisrael, Re'u, Tara Hashem, B'Shem, B'Tzalel, B'Nui, B'Chulam, Again, that word Re'u, and Karab B'Shem. That's exactly Moshe Rabbeinu quoting HaKadosh Baruch Pasuk Elamid Aleph Vayimelev Toruch Elokim Mechokma B'Tfuna B'Dag V'Kol Melacha Lamid Bet V'Chashov That's all the same, right? Parosh is Evan Again Pasuk Aleph You see at the end so again, there's Chokhma, Tvuna, Da'at, and all of these things are, are happening. All these things are happening. So, I, so if the Rashi and Pasuk Lamedalit, I'm sorry, I'm a little, uh, I'm confusing it. The Rashi and Pasuk Lamedalit, you see the second source, Lamedalit, was the word lahorot mean? Well, to, to teach, to instruct, to it could even mean Torah. A word applied to Torah, to halacha. Lahorot, lahorot In a secular sense, what could it mean to direct others, to give them the cue, to explain to them what's happening? You know, all of these things are possible. Rashi. Look at this Rashi. Oliyah. 
All the yad. Remember? The garages. The Shevet Dan. Aliyad was of the tribe of Dan, the Hayerudim, Shevishvatim, Mibnei Hashifachot. Right? They were quality Shvatim and not just quality Shvatim. The, the, the lesser Shvatim were the ones who came from the Shvachot, from the maid, from the maid servants that that uh, Yaakov also took as his wives, right? Besides Rachel and Leah, there were also Bilah and Zilpah. So their, uh, their children were less significant than the children of Leah. The oldest child of Leah was Yehuda. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The fourth child of Leah was Yehuda. Right? And here Rashi says... Rashi says, okay, Bethalel, he came from Yehuda. Bethalel came from Yehuda. So Bethalel was from a very important shaman. And Oliab was from Dan. A very unimportant, a very unimportant shaman. And then Rashi goes on and says, And in this Pasuk, he gets equal billing with B'tzalel. He, Oliab, gets equal billing with B'tzalel, right? B'tzalel b'achon ha-mishkan, v'hu mi-gdolei ha-shvatim, Yehuda, l'kayei ma sh'neamar, v'lo nechar shua, l'kayei ta shua, is a very fancy person, and the Zal is a very poor person. So Rashi includes a motif. He says, you know what's going on here? You know what's going on here? There's a kind of evening the playing field. That up to now you thought that Yehuda, being from Yehuda, was better than being from Dan. But in building the Mishkan, somehow this idea is torn asunder. And, and what happens? Well, Yehuda and Dan are really the same. They're building the Mishkan together. They're doing the same thing. They have wisdom and they have knowledge and they have understanding and Maybe they have Ruach HaKodesh as well, as Rashi says. What does it got to do with what's going on here? How did Rashi, you know, he changed the, what was going on for us. He changed the, the, the story. It's a new story. And the new story is about the Tzalel and all the Yav. Or there's another story. Not only are they building the Mishkan, but they're building it together. They have equal... Uh, 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 rights in the, that which is being built. They are on the same level somehow. And after all, that only took place when the Mishkan was being built. But obviously before the Mishkan was built, people thought that they were not the same. That they were different. That coming from Shevet Yehuda, you are on your way to Harvard. Coming on your way from, from Dan, you're on your way to Brooklyn College. That's how they thought. That's how they thought in the, old, in the olden times. But now, in the Mishkan, everything will be straightened out. And it's hard to understand. Hard to understand. I would summarize the, the three questions that, uh, that have come up. Right? The question of Re'ei. Right? What is Re'ei? What is he supposed to be looking at? Karatin Bishay. What does it mean to say that I called him by name? Of course... Re'ei, karate, b'tzalel, right, to do this work. Well, you would say karate, b'shem, and it says it twice, 
when Moshe Rabbeinu repeats it to B'nai Yisrael, the, the, the statement that Kodesh Baruch will make to him, so Moshe Rabbeinu is very careful to repeat it exactly the same way that he heard it. That's, that's the second. And the third question is, what is this uh, motif that Rashi has introduced us to, that there's somehow a, a, a lack of discrimination as a result of building the, the Mishkan. There was a certain amount of discrimination prior to building the Mishkan. Yehuda was Yehuda. And Dan, unfortunately, was just Dan. But now that, that Petzala from Yehuda is getting together with Aliyah from Dan, the nature of, the, of Am Yisrael, perhaps, is going to change. There's going to be a new kind of or redefinition of of the roles of those who come from the different from the different tribes. That's what the uh, and in order to solve this problem to get a kind of uh, feeling for what is actually going on, I'd like to try to learn with you the words of the Svas which I think will uh, refer to this uh, this question. Svas Emes, you remember, is the second. Gerebbe, right? The second Gerebbe. The first one was the Shidushi Harim. Reish Yud Mem Rabbi Yitzchak Meir. Right? Their name was um, Rottenberg. His mother's name was Rottenberg. His name, he came from a family named Alter. They had to change the name. You know, they always wanted to arrest the Russians wanted to arrest Rebis. They liked They thought Rebis would do very well in jail. Uh, the reason they arrested them was because they nothing has changed. They have they were uh, they they dealt in illegal currency transactions. <laughs> you say, well, who's laughing? Man? They they uh, how, why? Because they collected a charity. They were usually the Rebbe was the one who kept the charity. Especially, so the charity that was given out locally, you could use local currency, whatever it was. But the charity that was collected for the benefit of the poor in Yerushalayim or in Eretz Yisrael, you had to exchange the local currency for whatever the hot currency in Eretz Yisrael was, which was, at, you know, at that time probably Turkish money. So if you, if you change the, 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 the zlotis to... Uh, Whatever the Turks say, I forget. For Turkish money, or for dollars, you know, dollars were a hard currency, so you were doing something illegal. So, all the Rebbe needed was one enemy. And the one enemy would go to the police and say, you know, if you open up the top drawer on his desk, you would find a lot of uh, contraband funds, and they did that. That's why the Balatanya was in jail. If you ever go to St. Petersburg, you can get to go to the jail that the Balakanya spent time in. But, you know, if you like jails. Um, because they all, they all did that. They all did that because they were in charge of the uh, stocker. They were in charge of the stocker. There's no way that you could transfer local currency to Eretz Yisrael unless you could change it into some uh, other currency. So, the, the, um, in order to avoid going to jail, 
So that's why Ger moved out of Warsaw and moved to Ger because they were going to arrest the. Well, there were other other problems that are that another problem. You know, the Russians decided that the uh, that in Warsaw, in a big cosmopolitan city like Warsaw, you couldn't dress like a farmer, and the only people in Warsaw who dressed like farmers were Hasidim. Uh, you may have, I, mean, I don't know if you get them in full battle dress in this neighborhood, but, you know, those boots, you know, they're, they're, in the winter you see sometimes Hasidim wear boots and they wear their pants, I mean, Gerah Hasidim, they wear their pants and their socks as a memory of wearing boots. That's what it looks like when you wear a boot. So the, the, uh, the Russians, uh, well, the Poles, the Russians, you know, it's a little hard to work that out. But they decided that you shouldn't dress like that. You could not dress like that. And that's when uh, the Gerebis said that uh, dress is uh, that's it. You know, you can't change anything about the dress. He meant you can't change anything about the dress if you're being forced to change. You could change, probably, if you were not being forced to change, but you can't change. And so, uh, he had to move out of Warsaw, and he moved to a little upgrown place called Guru Kalavari, which, unfortunately, is a, uh, like a Catholic uh, idea, the mountain of Calvary. Uh, but we managed to eliminate the second half of the name. And everybody think it's just plain old Gur. Uh, so the Rebbe, the first Rebbe of Gur was the Sadushi who was known as the Godel Hador. He was definitely a very special, uh, very special personality. Um, the second Rebbe was his grandson. His son died um, before his father, and his grandson. Who, who was the uh, Sasemis moved in and became his uh, not only his successor but his Talmud so he quotes his grandfather he doesn't call his father because his father was not never the Rebbe uh, and uh, Ger you know every, everything is a history but you're seeing the world from the eyes of Ger what happened uh, during the war and how the Gera Rebbe came to Israel. The Gera Rebbe, the one who came to Israel, was the one who was after the Swazavis, who was called the Imre Emes, Ava Mordechai Alter of Gera. After the Imre Emes came the Beis Yisrael. The Beis Yisrael died in Yerushalayim, uh, I don't know, at the end of the 60s, I think. They, they uh, had a tremendous impact of people in Yerushalayim because he was very uh, open to people coming and seeing him. So a lot of those days, a lot of yeshiva guys and people who weren't chatzidim went to see the, uh, the Gera Rebbe and were impressed by his, uh, well, you know, his reasonableness, let's say. He what? He not by by Shari Tzedek. Uh, the old Shari Tzedek, the old Shari Tzedek, next to the old Shari Tzedek, there was, that's the Ibra Emes was buried there, because it was during the war. And you couldn't go to Har, you couldn't go to Har Tzofim, 
they used to bury people there. And they left it. They left that cemetery. You know, it's Eretz Yisrael. So, uh, people are usually not buried out tonight. Uh, conditionally. You know, Chutzlar, it's everybody's buried out tonight. But they can move them. They can move them eventually to, uh, to Eretz Yisrael. But in Eretz Yisrael, unless it's a military cemetery, after, after a war, uh, everybody in the military cemetery is buried out tonight. So that they can be moved to a regular cemetery like after the after the war is over. So this is Shvatzevitz. This was that Shvatzevitz had a world view which he introduces us to at the uh, at this sheet. If you look at uh, uh, well, let's start from the fifth line. Um, Let's start with the fourth line. Let's start with the third shot, the third line. The third line key. You see there's a period there? Kihine hasagata shemi tzvarak mitzada etzem. Right? Our ability to be really aware of God's presence. Right? Kihine hasagata shemi tzvarak etzem eno ve'efsharut. We can't really know that God is there, right? Because God is so different that we have no way of, of relating, of relating to God, the essence of God. It's only in the way God uh, 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 directs things in the world that enable us to see or to feel God's presence. Look up to heaven and then you'll see God. But not because you see God, but because you see the ordered world that we live in. How complicated it is and how it works out and how it all seems to benefit, to benefit us. These words are words that are found is used in the Kabbalah. Tzimtzum. Right? Tzimtzum means God contracted himself, so to speak, to make room for the world to be created in. That to be an empty space. That's it too. I mean, these words are words that appear in, in uh, you know, in books on Kabbalah. Tzimtzum shall I stare, that which was uh, hidden from us. And achdut ha'ne'elah, and the unity, unity of all things be disappeared. It became hidden. Be'pashtut ha'ne'gleh, Uh, so so we see the world we look at the world it it doesn't look to us anymore like it's all unified or comes from one place it seems to be very um, very disoriented that's an important point it is because it's very difficult to see the truth which is that God exists and God is in charge 
and God takes care of what has to be taken care of, right? Because it's very hard to, to see all of that. I'll send it for Yisrael. It was theoretically, theoretically you should need B'nai Yisrael, a special group within the larger group that is committed to a, a certain point of view. But because the world was created in a way which makes it very difficult for us to see what's really there, there had to be created in that world a group, a group amongst groups that would be able to pass the message on and teach everybody else what the truth is. In that's why the Pesach says, this nation was created for me. To clarify for all that God is king. And to connect our world, the world we live in, with the world that God lives in, so to speak. All of these things are necessary teachings that were given over to B'nai Yisrael. Like there is this idea. The Rambam also had it. Right, the Rabbi Mahadid, he said that, that the Jewish people were committed to, the, to spreading the word about, the, about God, the unity of God, the oneness of God. And he saw that, that Christianity and Islam were sort of our agents in this matter. We are responsible for Christianity, and we are, in, in, a, certain, in a manner of speaking, I don't mean we actually invented it. I just mean that the ideas that Christianity promulgated were Jewish ideas, right? There's one God, I think, and God is in charge. Those are ideas that the Christians, the early Christians, learned from the Jews. They, some of them were Jews. Many of them. Many of them were Jews. So that's... Uh, <coughs> that's the... Uh, so the Rambam, Islam is the same, after all, the, the, the Quran uh, summarizes the Tanakh and, uh, and uh, elevates all of the Tanakh heroes to Islamic heroes, like Abram and Yitzhak and Yaakov, they're all heroes of, of Islam as well. So the Rambam, when the Rambam thought about it, he said, you know, how come they're so successful? How come these Christians and Muslims are so successful? We have a few million of us, and they have hundreds of millions of them. So how, how, how did that happen? So the Rambam said, well, the way it, was, it happened, because we needed an agent. We were too busy. We, the Jewish people, right? We're too busy. Everybody's sitting and learning Gemara. I mean, how can, you can't convert the world if you're sitting and learning Gemara, right? It's like sort of a distraction. So we produce Christianity. Like, we gave them their basic ideas. We said to them, you guys, you don't have to learn Torah. You don't have to learn Gemara. So go out and convert the rest of the world. And they did. Right? They missed out on China. But the world that they were aware of became entirely converted to these ideas that the Jews promulgated from the time of Avram Avinu. And so the Rambam says, written down, written down there, that, that this kind of, they did it for us. They, you know, they got their charge from us, and they did it for us. So, but they, so the Jewish people have had this tremendous effect on, uh, that's the Ramah's way of looking. Of course, if you look at that history textbook in, uh, in one of those Western civilization 
courses that they give in college before you know what's going on. So you'll see that the presentation is the opposite. That there's Christianity, and the Jews were sort of an offshoot of Christianity. Which shows you that history is not, you know, a perfect science. The Rambam thought that the Jews were at the center of everything, and that the, uh, the hundreds of millions of Christians and Muslims who are kind of students of ours, uh, sort of. Whereas the Western civilization book thinks the opposite. But he, this Ras Emmet, thinks that Al-Zenid Re'ubine Yisrael. Amzu Yitzartigli. Begoyem al-Futoyit Barafa Kasher Olamba Olam. Apratim Tahaklav. To see that that distinctions can be, you know, you know that everybody wants that. Everybody wants that. You, you know that, that what was Einstein doing after he did what he did? Uh, he, he wanted to create a general theory of relativity, whatever that means. And then you might want to create a universal theory. Uh, it was this idea that there is a theory that can contain all of everything that happens in, in mechanics and in physics. This idea is an idea that's very captivating to us. We want a unified presentation. We don't want everything to be separate from everything else, right? So you have like, I mean, you can study physics, and you can study chemistry, or you can study physical chemistry, or chemical physics. And you can say that, that things really are not disparate. There's all to, you don't have to make progress, you separate things. But after you finish separating them, you want to see how they fit together. This is what he's talking about. He says, uh, uh, where, where is this? Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm in line three, four, five, six. Shabria al Yidei Avodat Bnei Yisrael Yeshvat Zbeikut Kashrut that the whole of creation can be drawn together. It can be stuck together. It can be connected. Each part to the other. Kula mivnei Yisrael and bnei Yisrael b'atorah. Everything connected to bnei Yisrael. And bnei Yisrael connected to the Torah. And the Torah is after all connected to HaKadosh Baruch. Right? Unishamot bnei Yisrael nekru kodesh v'boshu katah. Kodesh Yisrael Hashem. That the neshamot, that the souls of the people of, of Yisrael are connected, are connected somehow to HaKadosh They were sent in this world, La'alot Kol HaBruim, that the Nei Yisrael is supposed to raise up and elevate all the created, in order to see that they really are connected one to another. Remember, Rashi asked the question, why did the Torah start from Reshit Baran Kim? Why did the Torah start from? is the first mitzvah that's given to B'nai Yisrael. So that's a good place to start the Torah. This whole speculative thing about creation and when God created and what what do you need that? I mean, you could put that as an appendix to the Torah. That's not the essence of the Torah. 
So the Satanet says wrong, like the Ramban. But the Satanet says wrong, it's the essence of the Torah, because it tells you that the purposes of the purpose of doing a mitzvah is not just to do what God told you to do, which is certainly correct, but that the purpose of the mitzvah is to get a result, to put it all together, to feel, to get people to feel that they are under directly under the aegis of a Kodesh Bofu. And that's what mitzvot do, and that's what the Sfat Emet says, that that's the reason that the Torah started from Breshit. Everybody knows that before Matan Torah, B'nai Yisrael, the Gemara says in Shabbat, that's Zion, the Gemara says that B'nai Yisrael achieved the level of Adam Arishon Lefneachet. I don't know what that level is, but I assume that Adam Arishon Lefneachet, before he sinned by eating from the tree of, uh, of whatever it was, of knowledge, right? The Eitz Hadat, he, he, before that time, he was pure. He was perfect. He walked and talked to God. He was as much with God as he was with this world. So that the Gemara says that when B'nai Yisrael stood before Har Sinai, ready to accept the Torah, somehow they had achieved by going through the slavery in the tribe in Egypt, etc. They had achieved this level of, of sensitivity to God's world that Adam HaRishon had. So that was before, that's before the, the, the Chaita Ego. They Kabbalata Taradit, Kachubi, they Shabbalun, and Komama Niti. They became Kodesh Lashem. They became, were so close to God that they were sanctified for God. Achein, 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 Shinemar, Achein, Kadam, Tamutun, Futsrach, Lachzor, Niyot, Atikun. Right, that, that after, after the hate of Adam Arishon, he found himself having to go back and, and re-studying Bereshit, right? That they, they, the, the Torah tells the story over again. And now we come to it. The Svatanet says, it's all very simple. God created a world that looks to us to be imperfect disconnected, things dislodged one from another. And that takes away the confidence that we have that God created the world and runs the world because if God in fact created the world and if God in fact ran the world that we live in then we would expect we would expect everything to look perfect to us everything to be in place, everything to be but it doesn't look that way it doesn't look that way so he says there in yet so so uh, there were ups and downs. I mean, the created world of other Marishon and Chava was more perfect than the world after they sinned. And the same thing is true after the Chet Ha'ego. After the Chet Ha'ego. So the, he says, Achayim, Achar Ha'chet, Shedemar Achayim Ta'adam Timutu, Uchach Lachzor Liyot Ha'tikun, and this is where the Mishkan comes into the story. 
שמקווה מכוון נגד מעשה בראשית כמו שכתוב במדרשים. It's well known, the medrashim say that if you look at the various parts of the Mishkan, various parts of the Mishkan, that they are all part of the creation, like the creation of light, creation of, of luminaries, the creation of, of life. All of that is, is uh, metaphorized in the, in the Mishkan. Right, the beginning of our parasha today, where that's the beginning of the building of the Mishkan. When Moshe Rabbeinu came down from Har Sinai and saw them dancing around the Egel, they were parua. What do you know what parua is? Well, when, when, when like a woman's hair is parua, when it's not in place. What? Yeah, okay. 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 <laughs> we like that word. Everybody's like, Paru, everybody's excited, right? Okay. So I paid Mashikatab, we called it to Paru, who Shimital Mahema Abdut, Shayala Hemi Kodem. So the, the, the Swatavet sees it as standing before Hasinai. They're all together. I hate the Egel. The whole thing comes apart. Right? If you look at it conceptually, it means that when they were standing at Arsenai before they received the, the revelation, they understood something. They knew what they were doing there. And then somehow it went awry, and, and the Cheta Ego divided everything. Everything was, was not in place anymore. Nothing made any sense. And then after the Cheta Ego, so the story Moshe Rabbeinu, and God forgave them, sort of, and then the Pasuk says, Vayakhel Moshe. Moshe, before he went to tell them about the Mishkan, about building the Mishkan, he said, let's all come together. Let's bring them, let's bring ourselves all together. Uh, just one second. Vayakhel Moshe. כלפי מה שכתב בקודם, כי פרוע הוא שניכר מהם אחדות שהיה להם מקודם. אחדות, standing before Amsina. אז איפה, what does אחדות mean? אחדות doesn't mean that we say unified effort of the Jewish community. That's not אחדות. אחדות means it all makes sense. That's what אחדות is. אחדות is like all these people get together, everybody's different, everybody looks different, everybody has different thoughts, but they can be together in the highest possible sense in terms of their awareness of the world that God created. They're still different from each other, but in that very important area, they're very much uh, together. Uh, שיש אחדות הבא מקיבוץ הפרטים, אין שם בניין עם אחד מפוזר פורד, שזה כוחם של בני ישראל. הגלות. חמאן אמר, עם מפוזר ופורד, הוא אמר משהו קצת אחרת, אבל בגלות, בגלות, לא יכול להיות אחרת, לפי שפת אמת. He had to be in Eretz Yisrael 
to get to the, to the situation of Achtud, even though it's not always obvious in the Eretz which we live, unless you never listen to the dudes, uh, which is not a bad idea, I think. Although, I mean, I'm not sure that I could do it, but uh, it's not a bad idea. And the Mishkan comes to try to reenact that after to re uh, rejuvenate it over the Mishkan meaning that they're not together. Everybody has their own name. Ruben has a name. Shimon has a name. Everybody has their own name. They're separate. The Shvatim are, are separate. So Karati B'Shem, according to the that's the continuation of Vayakel Moshe. Moshe said, let's get it together. Let's Vayakel. We'll get everybody together in the same place to hear about this mitzvah. And then he said, God said, Karati B'Shem B'Shalel, means that B'Shalel has a certain quality which is described by the word B'Shem, which is not like Shemot, which means differentiations. But he somehow is able to be a B'Shem person. Right? In other words, B'Shalel has a unique shame. A unique shame is an accolade that's given only to God. The shame Hashem. Shame Hashem is always singular. Right? The name, the name of God. Not the other names of God, but the name of God is shame. So when you say about Ketzalel's shame, that means that he knows something, right, about God. That's why you are saying, that's why you're calling him Karate shame. Right, you're making, you're emphasizing that he's a, the, a, the only shame person that there is. Uh, and then he says, "Obey Azen and Sait, believe both the Nei Yisrael should have done she ain't no sha'a she be torevol ratzon u'tichad haleiv l'Hashem Yitbarach." So, again, the Svatemet sees history. History is being an ongoing attempt to fix the world. The Jewish people, they go on and they're always trying to fix the world. What does fixing the world mean? To see it as it really is. See it as it really is, that God created the world, that God is dominant in the world, that God wants certain things of us, and by doing the things that God wants, we're able to fix things. And the fixed thing, just as the Rambam said, we fix a lot of the world by teaching the Muslims and the Christians certain truths about the world that we live in. And in that way, we were fulfilling our destiny. We were fulfilling our destiny. The Jews had just gone through a difficult period in their own history. They went from the state of other Marisha and Mephtar Chait when they stood in Har Sinai, the Chait Egel, which was a Chait of Paruah, Paroah, they were, they were divided up, they were, they were crumbled, they were crumbled apart, and because of that they, they couldn't fulfill their destiny. 
there had to be some kind of a change that took place according to the Svatamet the change took place at two pivotal points one is that Moshe Rabbeinu was Vayakel he brought them all together which, which means uh, uh, two things one he did it he got them all to come together but everybody understood everybody understood that this emphasis of Vayakel doesn't just mean hey come along but it means that this is a quality that they had to ensure that they would maintain. It was a learning experience as well as a word in Torah. And then Moshe Rabbeinu says, and you know, God told me that there's a B'tzalah that has to come and take my place. Re'ei karati b'shem. Karati b'shem, shem means somebody who knows about God. Because God is shame, as opposed to shmot, which is uh, which is everybody everybody else, and uh, the reason that Petzalel had to do it and that Moshe Rabbeinu couldn't do it was that Moshe Rabbeinu was already outside of the community. He, he had spent eighty days of his life in heaven. He was no longer. It was, no lo- it was no longer possible for Moshe Rabbeinu to go in with the people. Like in Hasidut, they always think about going down and being with uh, the people. You know that famous story where Rabbi Nachman told about, you know, somebody came and thought he was a chicken. So he went down with him, and then little by little he brought, it, he brought him back up. Uh, Moshe Rabbeinu was no longer capable of being part of Am Yisrael. You see that later on when Aaron and Miriam were complaining that Moshe Rabbeinu lived his life in a strange way. He didn't pay much attention to his wife. He didn't pay much attention apparently to his children either. But he, it was not possible for him to be regular. He was deregularized. And so the leadership from the bottom up, there's like Moshe Rabbeinu remained the ultimate authority, but the ones who actually worked to produce this unity that we're talking about, the ones who did that were B'tzalel, Oliad, and that unity, of course, Rashi tells us, produced a, a, a it wiped out the distinctions between the tribes because the distinction between the tribes, saying that Yehuda is great and that Dan is not so great. Is, is again based on a misconception about how the world that God created is. That these women are more important than those women, that their children are more important than their children. Those are misconceptions that could arise even, even amongst uh, uh, students of, of the Torah. So Rashi tells us that Rashi tells us that unity, in order for us to be able to understand the world of God's creation, we have to understand the world that we live in very well, and the Talent and Aliyah were going to help us. So the only thing we have left, the only thing we have left is Re'eh. So I was thinking about that. But I'll, I'll, tell, you, I'll tell you a true story. <laughs> I don't even say usually I tell you fanciful stories, but maybe, maybe I do. But I can tell you a true story. I went to Davin Minchin today. In shul, in the shul I usually go to. So far the story is not so interesting. So, uh, so I had some people, 
I was learning with somebody. So I thought I'd go to shul early. Sometimes there's an earlier minyan. You know, guys get together, you know, you see the guys, they get up like five o'clock in the afternoon sometimes. So they have to go to Dabba Mincha. So they were not with everybody else. Because no one else has been sleeping all afternoon. So they want to dive in themselves. So they make a minion earlier. But today there is nobody there. Nobody there. So I come to, I came to shul at 10 to 5. And I had to wait till 5.15 to dive in Mincha. So a guy sees me. And he comes over to me. And he says, did you see this Kliyakar? You guys are real nudnik. You know Kliyakar? Like, he wrote a very long commentary on the Chumash. I said, yeah, definitely. He didn't tell me which Kliyakar he was talking about. I said, yeah, I'd seen him. Hoping that he would go away. He says, no, no, you got to see it. I said, where is it? Is it the parasha? He says, no, no, it's not in the parasha. It's in Lechotah. <laughs> I say, you mean you're that far behind? <laughs> he says, look at this. He says to me, look at this. And he, he points to a patsuk. You, you have to look it up. It's not, I mean, it's not a sheep because I just found out about it a mitzvah today. So the patsuk says, Pericles give a patsuk said first in gray sheep. Ki et kol ha'aretz asher ataro e'echat nena u'mizarecha adolam. The Pasuk says, all the land, Kodesh Bogu says to Moshe Rabbeinu, promises him Eretz Yisrael. How, what, how does he promise it to him? He says, Kol all the land that you see will be yours. So, uh, of course, it's, it's a little problematic, because how much of Eretz Yisrael could Avraham see at what moment? I mean, not that much. Even if his eyes were really in good shape, I mean, you just don't see, you can't look and see all of Eretz Israel from the top of Hara Moriah, I mean, that's impossible. <coughs> so the Kliyatar, the Kliyatar, who is the Talmud of the Maharal, he says this, I'll just read you one line, because Shekinah Kodesh Bokal Abraham et Haaretz Leknot Shamash that, that at this time, HaKadosh Baruch Hu kind of gave over the rights to Eretz Yisrael for two kinds of reasons. One is Ruchani, a spiritual. So then he goes on to explain. And what he, what he says, and what the, way, uh, the way I would say it, is that the the reason that HaKadosh Baruch Hu says at Kol Ha'aretz Asher Ataro'eh L'chat Nena He says, what is the land that I have going to give to Avram Avinu? The land that Avram Avinu really sees. That he only, he alone can see that land. He can see that in Haram Oriyah there will be a big dash. And that Mikdash will be parallel to the Mikdash in heaven, as the Midrash says. Because he doesn't just see the area bounded by the sea and the, and the river and the north and the south. He doesn't just see an area. He sees a quality. He sees a quality. And the quality that he sees, we would call Kedushat Eretz Yisrael. 
But Eretz Yisrael is special. That's what he sees. So that that uh, Avram Avinu was Kone, right? He he kind of assumed possession of Eretz Yisrael because he was the only one who saw what it really was. That it was intended by Hakadosh Baruch Hu for the day Yisrael to be special, to be a place that was unlike other places. And so even though all the other people they saw stones and and earth and, uh, and hills and valleys. I mean, they saw what they saw. But Moshe Rabbeinu saw Eretz Yisrael for what it was to be and what HaKadosh Baruch intended it to be. And therefore, on that basis, on that basis, Eretz Yisrael belonged to him because he's the only one who knew what it really was. It was everybody else who was making a kinyan, would like to make a kinyan on something else, on stones, on earth, on rocks. Only Bavim Avidu could make a kinyan on, on Kedushat Eretz Yisrael. And that's the word that is used in the Torah. This he didn't tell me, but this, uh, you know, <coughs> I figured this out myself. The word, the word that's used in the Torah for understanding the profundity of the matter is Re'eh. Is ready to see because seeing is a is like a a multifaceted kind of enterprise. Sometimes you just see what's in front of you, see it, but other times, other times you you really see what it is about, and that's what Avraham Mavinu was able to perceive. So when Hakadosh Baruch Hu says Karati shame, so we explain the word shame, but we also see the word re'ei. That, that the Salah, the Salah coming from the bottom, coming from the people, right? Being able to unify the people into a greater whole was able to see what the Mishkan really meant. That there would be a place for our Kodesh, this idea that there would be a place for our Kodesh Bofu in this world. He wasn't just an artisan. He wasn't just able to make things and build things and put them together and, and do it in a nice way, but he understood all the time what the purpose of it was. So Moshe Rabbeinu certainly understood the purpose of all these things, but he understood them from heaven. And we needed somebody who understood them in our world so that they could use that understanding and spread it out and, and encourage the unification of the unity of Am Yisrael around the around the presence of the of the Mishkan. All the best.